0: Yeah, hi, Daniel Major here. Um, CEO of GovX Uranium, African-focused uh, uranium uh, developer, three projects. Um, Madawela in Niger, Batanga in Zambia, and our exploration play Philea in Mali. Looking forward to this discussion, Matthew.
1: Well, Tony, um, lovely to um, hear from you, because you, you've been on the road um, a lot recently, but I've, I've got to get straight into it. Why on earth would you go and raise 10 million bucks on a market like this?
0: Why? Because we have advanced our projects through some key points. Um, we've got our feasibility study now out for the Matawela project. Um, our Matanga project is is pushing towards feasibility study. We hadn't raised any money since January of last year. Um, we would come to the point where we, we had to raise some. And so, you know, that's where we are. Uh, obviously, the market had moved around a lot um It was a function of you know going as long as we could as far as we could
1: right but could c- you have not raised less and kind of seen how the market reacted um Is it the case of is the cost of the is the cost if you didn 't versus the cost of the money that you did
0: look you, you have to take an outward view of how long it 's going to go you 've got to remember you 've got the December Christmas holidays in the way as well, which adds a whole almost two months in this market. Of uh, when you can't do anything, but you're still working in the, in the market, you don't want to get to a point where you raise just the minimum, and then suddenly something else happens as well. Uh, this is a difficult market out there. Um, we felt that the amount that we were raising was the appropriate amount um, uh, for support to take us into well into next year.
1: Okay, can can we talk about you know? Uh... Preventative measures, safety measures, alternative plans, how ha- however you want to frame it. And um, because, you know, it's, it is a difficult time for lo- lots of companies and there's lots of, um, I guess marginal projects out there who are, you know, feeling a little bit, little bit nervous. And if they haven't raised money or are unable to raise money, they're going to be extremely, uh, nervous. What are your fallback plans if this goes on for longer than you uh, want it to?
0: I mean, I'm not sure what you're uh, 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 averting to there. I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're now at a, a uranium bull market that's getting stronger by the day. Um, you know, we've we put that funds in. If the market was to collapse more, um, which, hell, we'd all be struggling at that point, but then obviously we will react on our cash burn. But I think at the moment, as we look forward, in everything we're seeing about the uranium market, is as the bu- most bullish that we have ever seen it, uh, either geopolitically on a supply demand. What the utilities are telling us about when they need uranium, which is fitting perfectly with our Madawella development plan. You know, we've got to keep going with that market. Um, you know, and th- and that's the key. Here. Um, you know, everybody understands markets in deficit and the utilities are diversifying. They're worried about their supplies from ex- non Russian supply areas. There aren't many alternatives um, and permitted projects like ours are absolutely at the front line and they want to talk to us, utilities do. So we've got to work towards what they need as well.
1: Okay, well, where I was going with that question was the, the fact that you know the, the inevitable question you get asked a lot, which is you know why don't you just merge with your uh, with your neighbour, make it a, a a bigger project, more attractive project? Because there's lots of M and A happening at the moment. Um, wouldn't it make sense for some of the the African places to get together?
0: It always makes sense to consider M and A uh, of any kind. But you know, let's just think about it. If you've got two companies that both require debt individually and then you put them both together you now need even more debt so you know it's like two bankrupt people trying to get together it just makes them even bigger bankrupt but you know and we're obviously not there but i mean that but that's the problem when you look at us for people to say to get together great but then you kind of go okay you get together you know who do you get together where are the synergies yeah. How does the valuation? I mean, that's before we even think about the valuations. Like, it, are there obvious the synergies of putting these two companies together? Are you going to save money by doing it? If they're both the development companies, which project goes in front? Or do you try and do both at the same time? And now I've got a bigger debt demand on my company instead of what I already had. So there is a right time to do these things. You have to look at what's available out there. And, and sometimes it's just not the right time that the, the right strategy be, may be there. But it's not quite the right time to do it. And in some way like Niger as well, you've got the geopolitics of it. You know, if, I, if I'm the government, for example, at the moment, I've got two people swimming down the stream um, side by side trying to build their minds and they're both incentivized to build their minds. If they put their projects together, that new merge company may be in a position, well, I prefer to do this project and to slow this one down. And from a geopolitical point of view, the government might not like that. Uh, and so we have to consider that part of the aspect as well. So it's, it's not just a simple, put two things together, it makes it bigger and better.
1: Okay, it's, it's, it's yeah, I, I get what you say, yeah, one plus one, one equals one, I suppose to one plus one equals three uh, will, will sometimes uh, inevitably happen. Um, <laughs> right. So let's, let's talk about 10 million bucks. Okay. So you, you, have raised it. You got to the point. You explained why. What do you do with it? What, what how precisely is this being allocated? How much do you keep back in reserve in case this thing goes on? Because, you know, we, we, we've been talking about catalyst moments, so you and I, since 2019. And obviously the story gets stronger and stronger, but it still needs to move further to get over the line, it, it seems. So, um, how do you, how do you play the next 12 months?
0: Look, I mean, from a point of view of, of our projects, um, you know, most of the heavy lifting has already been done at, at, at Maduela, um from a technical cost point of view. Uh, the key area now is, is getting the debt financing sorted out, which obviously doesn't cost as as much money to do. Um, Endeavour were already appointed. They've already sent their teasers out to all the, as many lenders as we can think of. and We're gradually pulling together that pool to understand who's interested. Um, who's not interested, and how that fits together. And once we get a a clarity of of where that sits, Matthew, that's the point we can then become more aggressive. But at that point, you know, we we then have a clearer view that, yeah, this thing's debt financeable um, because we have real lenders who want to be part of the story and want to go through the due diligence process. So that's kind of what we're going to see from Adoela as we go forward, Um, and that's being tied to the offtake side as well. So, you know, with the offtake, we've been kind of courting them. Um, Again, the next step with all of them, and we spoke to 20 of them in NEI, was very much okay, when we can see that there's a debt consortium starting to form up here. This is when we will come and have a much more aggressive conversation with you because we can at least show you the money, well, kind of show you the money. Um, Matanga, um, obviously, down there, we are. Finish the drilling work this year. Um, Next year, we'll be reverting into the metallurgical test work just to verify the previous metallurgical test work, getting that to an FS level. Um, And then we'll push that all the engineering out to FS. I mean, if we have to slow a project down for the market, then we'll have to slow that one down. Mattawella just keeps moving forward. But I don't think, you know, I don't see the uranium market being a negative at the moment. I think, you know, you've had many conversations and we have as well you know, the, the the utilities have been looking at the EUP and they've been looking at the UF6, and it's still a very key part of any conversation at a uranium conference. Where is it coming from? Who's going to supply it? Those are our now problems. It is clear, talking to all of the utilities, that, you know, this 25, 26, 27 time zone is their period where they're going to need to deal with the problems that are out there um, and, you know, we're going to see a lot more off-market conversation. And we've already seen this year, if you look at the RFPs that have been tracking out there. I mean, a year ago, RFPs were being done at 45. You know, then earlier this year, we were looking at RFPs getting signed off in the early 50s. Um, you know, if you look at the last one that was announced by a, a, a developer, was at 58 on average. You know, so you've had a fairly sharp trajectory up. And certainly, you know, the, there are companies out there on some of these RFPs who are putting in numbers like 75 um, out of North America uh, for what they think they need to get projects up and running. And certainly the feedback for us from some of the utilities is, yeah, it's moving up. It's moving very much towards where you guys want to be. And in fact, if you look at, you know, the number we used in the, in the FS, which was 65, that is in line with where UXC is expecting the price to be. Uh, In fact, they're expecting to be actually higher than that. So I think from a market point of view, the momentum is still very much there from a practical perspective of what we need for price.
1: Right. But if I may come back, I I get the macro and I I do want to talk about it because obviously you're at NEI and you've had lots of interesting conversations, but um, you've kind of got a catch 22 here. You've got Endeavour Financial bouncing around talking to debt providers. I assume some of these, or a lot of them, are going to be generalists. Not, not, not. You know, they have not invested in um, uranium projects for a while, if the, if they ever have. And then you've kind of got the utilities going. Well, have you got your debt sorted? Because I need to know. before I give you something, you're going to need to uh, tell me you've got the finance in place, and this thing can be built, right? So there's a kind of catch twenty two going on there. Can I start with the finance guys first, though, because they are surely going to be relying on utilities okaying your technical assessment of your ability to get into production? Because the finance guys are not qualified to do that. So what, what are the things that they've told you they need to see in place?
0: All right, let's 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 take this through step by step. The guys who have the technical ability are actually the, the lenders, not the off-takers. So the lenders. And the reason for that is any... Hang on. The reason for that, the lenders, as part of any lending package, will appoint independent engineers. So an independent engineer will be appointed by the lending consortium in any project financing. They'll also appoint the independent environmental engineers as well. So we get two sets. So we have going in front of us, once we get that consortium, a substantive part, technical due diligence that has to be done. The lenders themselves aren't technically going to be doing it. It's, you know, Uh, And we've appointed already the independent engineers for the lenders. That's done through Endeavor. When we already know who the environmental. So when the lenders come in, they are being provided a substantive technical review of our project that says this can work. We've gone through every single part of their feasibility study from a technical perspective. These are the risks. These are the issues. And for the environmental. okay. so the lender does have a technical if you look at the off-takers themselves, they come at it from a, a different perspective. Some of them are very practical and have an understanding. Their biggest focus tends to be ESG, not technical. They're not gonna tell us how to run a uranium mine, but what they will do, there are a number of them, particularly European ones who audit back on an ESG basis. And so the environmental review is important for them they leverage off. But at the end of the day, what you're looking at is the debt guys are trying to understand the risk on the model. You're having the conversation with your off takers where you're saying, all right, I need, this is the price I want to build into my model. Will you fix me at this structure? But you're going to have, and we're already having this conversation, which is it has to have a CP. And that CP is, I get the money. To build it so they you know this they're not stupid in any way they fully understand there are utilities out there who will never ever take from a developer that's just not their style um and there are a lot that you can see already who have realized that you have to have diversification and are willing to support development companies and so they're balancing their book from a risk perspective. So they're taking the guaranteed stuff and they're starting to layer in risk projects that may not ever get built. But they're going through that process where, okay, I'll give you 300,000 pounds a year for four years. Here's the price, but the CP is you get the money. That means they at least have got two years if things go wrong to switch their book around uh, and sort themselves out. And once you've got those two pieces sorted out and the CP for the lender is equity, because he won't put his money in first. You put the equity in first. So debt, off-take work together. And then the final piece is the equity that comes in and creates the, the Rubik's Cube.
1: But I'm always intrigued by this. Like I've sat that side of the fence, right? So I've sat on the, on the sell side and the buy side in terms of, of, of M&A. And... You know, the competent person, there are competent people and there are competent people of varying qualities. Um, and depending on the lender's, um, ability to kind of stomach or suck up a big cost, which they may not get chosen to, um, you know, by you. Um, there's, you know what I mean? It's, it's really, really important that they get the comfort that they want. But how, given the shortage of skills people who've ever built uranium mines. I just wonder how many uh, skilled engineers or others, confident people are out there who can say, well, this one's a one and it'll, it'll be fine. So how, how do they get comfort? They're not all using the same firm, presumably. They're using the people that they've got to select themselves and feel comfortable with, right?
0: Well, no. I mean, there are companies who, who specialize in doing the due diligences for, for banks. I mean, that's what they do and they're very good at it. Um, and, and they have skill sets that are that doing it. And there are teams that, you know, will, this is what they like to do. Um, and so, you know, we went through that process. We went uh, and, and, you know, we end up choosing it, but we and we end up paying it. But there is a point very soon. Once the lenders come in, they're independent from us. You know, we're paying their bill, but ultimately they're independent from us. As you know, the lender, they will deal directly with the lender. They'll come back to the company and say, look, here is my review these are my issues. Can you clarify? And then they'll go back. Um, so they are truly independent of the process. And that's why you've seen us as well working with things like getting our ESG report out. Because that's an important part of, of what the lenders want to see. It's not just I can build a mine. It's okay, have you got all the systems in place, not just can I get this widget from here and this truck from there? And is it going to cost that but you know, you're a developer, Are you going to be in a position to become a producer as a, as a culture and as a people? And how, and how are you going to get from this little team to suddenly having 600 people on a mind? Um, and you've got to prove that to them as well, that you're in that process. And so that's a major part of what we're going through at the moment.
1: Yeah. And I I, I just wondered, um, you know, is it because you as a develop, development play? Clearly, it's uranium. Not so many people capable of building that. I just wondered in terms of the uh, risk allocation from the lenders to a project like that, given the commodity we're talking about, does the money cost? Do you think the money's going to end up costing you a little bit more? Were there going to be a, a few more uh, clauses in there just kind of protect themselves um, and, and, and the way that you draw
0: down the, the, the capital? I, I think from the environmental risk point of view associated with the product, clearly there's going to be pins in things in for that but that's part of what we have to do as a business anyway Matthew I have to design a mine that can produce uranium safely and environmentally and operationally that doesn't impact its community that has a process of shipping its product that that product is to specification for its end users and that we have a very clear line of sight to where we deliver it to, and we have in place all of the systems for that. You know, and, and, and so, yes, it's Uranium, it has its inherent risks, but as long as you can show that you've built those risks, and that's what I'm saying as well, you know, you're starting with this little kernel of the team and you've got to go to this great big thing, and a big part of it is actually about building your processes, your systems that are there uh, you know so that people and culture you know so you know we're there's a, a thing that we're kind of building very culturally plan do act check you know and, and that's very much part of what you're trying to do is that you know at this even at this early stage everyone is understanding how to do a risk assessment of their own areas how they operate so that okay that's fine when you're doing this big but now suddenly you add another thing on it okay let's we've got got to under the team's got to just take that on board and say all right I can handle that. I can do my plan, do check act on that, and now build out the system that handles that stage, and so on as you grow the, and, and you become larger yeah look I I,
1: I I get that okay processes and systems very, very important for you to demonstrate because look, i 've long advocated for you know African uranium producers, because they've, they've long produced, uh, u- uranium. And it's in terms of permitting and licensing, it's, it's quicker and it seems a much more simple process. No shortcuts, just a simpler, more important process to, like, in your case, N- N- Niger, because of jobs, tax, all of those wonderful things. Um, but there's going to, but, but the flip side of that is it's Niger. So you've got lenders need to get comfortable with Niger. You're going to get lenders need to get comfortable with the, with the kind of commodity component. Um, and, you know, the, the associated risk. So you, you you know, I just want to get into the bit where there is not hair on it, but there is additional time and effort required on your part to kind of get people over that hump. And I just wonder if there's a kind of, apart from time, is there a kind of cost um, to that? Do you get penalised in in any way? That's, that's what I'm trying to get to.
0: I don't think you get, yeah, I, okay. I mean, look, your insurance risk premium for being in Niger is going to be more expensive than your insurance risk premium being in the home counties, you know, and it's not actually. I mean, PRI for Niger.
1: <laughs> that's the UK. That's the UK for.
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean, PRI is last time we looked at it is a hundred basis points for Niger. So, you know, that's kind of the scale that you're looking at. I mean, it's not massive um, in comparison. Um, the other thing that you know we've talked a lot about um, is using export credit agencies as well to provide that insurance coverage that comes over uh, and protects. I mean, there's a lot of emphasis for Africa. I mean, you've seen the U.S. government now trying to source its critical minerals out of Africa and then trying to put, you know, support lines down and say, well, hell, we've got to get these minerals from somewhere, um, we can't do them all ourselves. And we'll, we're reliant on China. OK, so it, you know, you're know you seeing an emphasis there. Uh, UKEF is putting a lot of money into West Africa or trying to support projects into West Africa as well because you're trying to get this sort of Africa on the west side rather than the geopolitics of where it can go. Uh, and you've seen some of the, the Wagner stuff going on, uh, particularly in places like Mali. Um, so, no, there are you know ways of layering in insurances and structuring. Look, you know Matthew, we recognize this is this is uranium project in Niger. you know it, it's not a a car manufacturing company in the home counties. It has a different risk profile. Um, but you know there is always it, it'll cost you in the debt it'll cost you in the financing as a relative term but that doesn't mean it, it's not doable. No, no,
1: I get it. I just want to explore and sort of dig, 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 dig down um, uh, just a little bit in areas that we haven't really talked about um, before. Because you, you're down to the last few yards, right? Okay, so I think, I think that these, are, these are kind of fair questions and stuff that you're probably wrestling with or, or, or dealing with. Oh,
0: well, absolutely. I mean, I think a few good things, though, for us, don't forget. We're Niger. <laughs> well, you, you can put the negative side on it, which you kind of hinted towards. But the other side of it, it's a uranium mining country. It's produced uranium since the early 70s. It knows how to do it. It's a government that's totally supportive of it and is trying to grow and it's a Western looking government. You know, so th- those are really key points. This is a project which from a technical point of view, we've done a lot of work on it and that FS is a highly technical FS that's going out. So, you know, we've done everything we can and we're in the right ju- right jurisdiction from a mining perspective. Um, we just got to get people comfortable. But, you know, you have seen government debt being coming from commercial banks into Euro- of Europe into Niger last year. Um, so, you know, there is that kind of money going in on a sovereign basis, um, which is a, a positive.
1: Right. Okay. look, Probably not, not enough on that. I want to talk about, um, again, but partly to do with the conversations that you're having is you've got a portfolio. Right. You're not just a, a, a one asset company. Um, and you're in, you know, three different jurisdictions. I, I, I think Mali is fairly, you know, early, early stage. So I'm, I'm kind of really referencing Zambia. Is that, does that help in any of these conversations? Um, does it give you options in terms of these conversations? Um, because, you know, a lot, lot of M and A happening. Do you flip those out and monetize that? And, and maybe do you get focused on niche? I mean, how, how do you, how do you play the portfolio, uh, game?
0: Oh, uh, yeah. Look, I mean, that's one of the reasons we put the portfolio together was to have choices. Um, you know, if you look at it from a utility point of view, one of the things they will always try to build into, depending on the contract you're writing, is, you know, where are you getting your material from to meet your contract? And the, in the last cycle, there's one particular U.S. company. <laughs> who wrote a contract and then closed their mine and bought cheap uranium from the Kazakhs and then sold it to the utility really expensively. Um, they Utilities don't appreciate that kind of thing when they're actually trying to support new developments. But the advantage for us is that, okay, we've got this project, but we've actually got another one right behind it. So we actually have jurisdictional risk spread. We have the opportunities long-term, if that's what you're doing, of providing our material from our own mines, but we've got two of them. So they're both lined up. So yes, it it is part of that conversation. I mean, obviously the initial focus is on Madawella, but that ability to say, okay, guys, if once this one's coming, we can expand out. We've got a second project and these are long life projects. You're not looking at a company who's only in for a short time. You know, Niger is 19 years. uh, Matanga is 11 years to start with. Both can be expanded.
1: Right. But not now. You've just raised some money. You're moving Maduella forward. Matanga can, can uh, well, you can, you can well, what do you do? Do you, do you say, look, like, we'll just just sit back and focus on, on one project for now, or do you try and sort of tickle it a little bit and see if you can move it along a, a bit more?
0: Uh, we're moving Matanga along. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, you have to add the value to it. Uh, and, you know, as you said, even if it's an M&A play, you know, it's worth a lot more of in an upgraded position that it is now. you know, If you've taken risk off the table for somebody, um, that could bring in a partner for us or it becomes an M&A transaction out or something, who knows? But you've got to add the value to the property. Um, sitting on it doesn't add value.
1: No, no, it doesn't. Okay, um, so you're at the NEI, um, you're obviously having conversations about yourself. What, do, what conversations are you having about the sector as, as a whole you know, what, what clues were you getting from the utilities? What comfort were you getting?
0: As I say, you know, this, the, the, the key messaging out there is we, they realize that there is a deficit in front of them. The messaging is from the majority. Are there are a few contra guys, is that the uranium price is going higher. Uh, they are The whole Russia um, embargo issue is a big concern. Um, in some cases, while there is no federal block, there are now a number of states who are blocking. So utilities now have laws against them buying uranium from Russian sphere of influence. Um, New Jersey being one of them, um, which have now changed its law. So they can't buy, um, which means you've got to find from somewhere else. Um, there is a, a an uncomfortableness of only really having two or three people to choose from. Therefore, you know, Africa is very much becoming part of their look-see um the other side which continues to be the biggest concern at the moment is as we just said earlier US 6 eup where's that coming from um and we need capacity in those areas and then i think overall a comfort level that nuclear as a whole is becoming much more mainstream um slowly but surely and that over the around the world it's going to be more supportive to them individually uh going forward and if you're looking at the us guys you know there are companies that are looking to get into mna on nuclear reactors buying more of them building more of them considering life extensions more on them um because those are the way and then SMRs obviously are very much part of it and You've seen how well supported they are on the various packages coming out of the U.S., either by the U.S. government or some of the utilities getting involved. So I think, you know, those are the key messages that are, that are coming out that are sort of saying to everybody, yeah, it's going forward. Uh, it's as good as we've seen it for a long time. We keep moving forward with that.
1: right? And what do you say? What do you say to your shareholders about your share price? Um, You know, and you know how you how you feel about your ability to perform, your ability to insert yourself into this next challenge of of developers. um, You know, um, you know, all all shouting uh, at at the market and saying, you know, look, look at me. We will be able to deliver. We will be the next cab off the rank. Um, You feeling confident?
0: yeah yes i I am. I think we did a really good job on on our feasibility study. I got a lot of confidence with endeavour and their ability. They've done a fantastic job before on projects. I've got Chris Lewis, who you know. Until I've actually went to a number of the uranium projects with him, uh, conference with him, I didn't realize how well he was known um, yeah. in the industry. So we have an absolute top class guy out there and, and, you know, selling our position on the uranium and getting us out there. So, no, I am. I, I've got a government who is very supportive uh, as well. Uh, and I think these are all the key things, you know. We we've stuck very much to the process of doing it right. I put an FS out that can be built. It's not an FS that you know looks good because it's in the market, but then I'm not going to go and do a shed load of work to make it happen. Um, you know, and our numbers are up to date. Remember that as well. You know, we have just updated it. There's a lot of projects out there who are dated and have got to go and come back with their numbers and explain where it's going to so you know we probably in, in an absolutely great position now matthew and and you know i we're still targeting end of next year to put a little pull it all together and uh get ready to go for construction that's our target uh and that's what we're working towards